My fellow podcast fans, this is Superfan the Mooger Fooger. I'm here with Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney, and you're listening to the Growing Up Rob podcast. Turn it up. All right, Sonny. So we're back from Nashville. Rock and Pod 2 is now all but history in the rearview mirror, my friend. Yeah, what a crazy day. I only experienced one of the days. I can only imagine what the full, if I would have got there on Friday night and had to be able to stay all the way through Sunday night, all the things I would experience. But basically the Saturday morning to Sunday afternoon that I did experience was outstanding. So I'll say this, as much fun as it was, it was definitely work and it was work on both our parts. Let me, first of all, let me just take a minute out. So we talk about a lot of times how much time and effort I put into editing and doing all this podcast stuff, but let me just take a minute and say, thank you, Sonny Hollywood Pooney. You flew across country basically uh, on a red eye flight to be at this thing. And I couldn't have done it without you because my schedule was so completely full. It was unbelievable. So, you know, we talk about some of the things that I do and I put a lot of time in the effort, but I want to take this time out to kind of recognize you and some of the time and effort that you've put into this thing, because not only do you have a full-time job, you're a full-time family man. You were in California to do uh, some family stuff with your son on Friday night while I was at the Angel and Tour Tour show. You jump on a red-eye flight. You fly all the way from California to Tennessee. You get off the flight in Tennessee. You go take a quick shower. You come over to the venue, and you're at the venue for the entire day. And so I just wanted to say, hey, you know what? Thank you. You're committed to this thing just like uh, I am, and I appreciate it. Well, thanks for saying that. You know, I think we both are committed. And uh, when we first got started, everybody who gave us any advice said the same thing, that you can't do this thing unless you're committed. You know, I, I go crazy with it sometimes. I think you do too. But stuff like this, it's important for podcasting. Chris did a ton of work on this thing. I know he had some help to share with Tracy and BJ's always help. And the the thing was outstanding. But it's important because it's just got a feeling that this is the new medium. I know people are out there trying to save radio. I just don't see it happening because my son doesn't know how to listen to a radio station. So how is the next generation going to listen to radio? I just don't get it. So it's important enough for us to be there. And uh, that's why I did what I did. I'll echo that as well. I think I think this thing started with an idea from BJ and from Chris. And I think Chris has put an amazing amount of time and effort, blood, sweat, and tears into this project. And I appreciate that. And there's a lot of supporting cast around that. There was a lot on the first go around. There was even more on the second go around. So there's a lot of people that I think we don't necessarily even see that are doing things. Things like Baco from Cobras and Fire doing printing type things for some of the stuff that gets printed up for the expo. And, you know, Tracy, who's coordinating these rock and rollers schedules and meetings to be to their interviews on time and uh, just a ton of people. And, you know, I can't even begin to name all the people that were in on stuff. I know my wife spent time on helping Chris get people that were willing to sponsor and, and do things, you know, like the School of Rock and things like that. So there's just a, a countless amount of time and effort that goes into putting something like this on. And we truly, truly believe in it. I think this community really believes in it, not only for rock and roll, but for music in general. Podcasting offers an outlet for bands and artists and musicians that radio just 
doesn't want to seem to get behind. There is no more MTV. So how else are you going to hear, not only hear new music, but then hear about the bands, hear about the artist, get the inside scoop? I mean, there's just so much that's right about podcasting and rock podcast in general. And then I foresee, and if we don't do it, somebody else will, but I foresee rock and pod essentially becoming like maybe a Monsters of Rock cruise on land, but a whole lot cheaper and uh, every bit as fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally understand. And, you know, I was thinking the other day, think about basically anybody born, I'm going to say 1995 or later, is not going to be able to do the podcast these guys are doing, including us, because they didn't experience the late 70s, the craziness of the 80s and the early 90s of this music that was so popular. Like my kids, they'll be exposed to it, but they didn't experience it. So they're not going to be able to talk about it with a passion that we talk about it. For them, it's just background music. Yeah, I think it's fun for us to reminisce and grown up rock is is sort of about those memories. But the other thing that I think that we kind of forget about is that we're providing or trying to provide music and information and memories that the next generation can kind of listen and learn from. If you're a 15-year-old teenager sitting in a room somewhere, you're not going to necessarily identify with some story that Sonny or I told about being on the Sunset Strip and seeing, you know, Warrant live for the first time or something like that. But hopefully we'll give you enough information as a 15-year-old kid that you'll be like, hey, that band sounds pretty cool. I'm going to go check them out, right? Yeah, because they can't get it from anywhere else. Yeah. Right? So Kaylin Provo is a great example, right? She's in her late teens. She's going to graduate from high school next year. Where is she supposed to get her rock education? Because I got mine from MTV. Yeah. <laughs> right. So exactly right. Yeah. It's important. I hope there's a third one. I'll tell you last year, you know, I wish there was food this year. There was food last year. I'm like, man, this bar should be like in the center somewhere. Bam. The bar was in the center. Oh, last year. I'm like, man, the stage should probably be bigger. If we're going to get this big, bam, the stage was bigger. It's like, okay, <laughs> the venue should probably be a little bigger. If we're going to get bigger and bigger, the venue was bigger. Like it, you cannot, I cannot understate how Chris takes feedback and then somehow just makes it better. There's no way I could do it. I got a complicated job. There's no way I could do what Chris did. No way. There is nobody that went to rock and pod one that cannot deny the obvious and blatant growth in this year. You know, we learn from our mistakes. We took that we made it bigger and better and all the credit for something like that, you know, goes to all the different podcasters that had input to Kristen's act for making it happen to all these different people that had input and in getting this done. And it was just, it was such an amazing time. It just makes me want to like fast forward to year three and fast forward to year four, because with every year that passes by, I kind of get more and more excited about the potential and the possibilities of this whole thing. It was a beautiful thing to be a part of. Yeah, and I thought the other part that was cool, so at Rock and Pod 1, we didn't have a table. Digital Kill didn't have a table. Pod of the Hell didn't have a table. You know, we were all kind of the newbies. Well, then you fast forward to Rock and Pod 2. All those newbies got tables. They feel like veterans. But now you got I Love It Loudcast in the crowd and you got damn good movie memories in the crowd that are just there kind of visiting and they don't have tables. And next year they'll have tables and there'll be other newbies. So it's like you can see it growing. Yeah, completely. And I mean, that's what's cool is like, uh, you know, there were some obvious folks that were missing this year and they were missed people like. Brian Sword and the Double Stop and, uh, you know, Talking Metal, Joe Roiland and Sit and Spin and some of those folks that we we uh, had such good times with the first time around. But there were new people that came in, you know, discography discussion and 
uh, muses and stuff. And so there were new podcasts. And then just like you said, all these visitors that next year will probably have at the table themselves. Fantastic group of folks, every one of them. I haven't met a shitty podcaster yet that was not a <laughs> not a fun and good person. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, Cessary's going to have shit hanging off the rafters. Like, there'll be spotlights on I Love It Loudcast. They'll be giving away cars. Like, he'll go all out. I guarantee it. Yeah, so it's definitely fun to see. And uh, uh, I'm excited about the future for sure. And, you know, we've got a lot of stuff coming, a lot of coverage coming from this year's Rock and Pod 2. I just have to kind of put it together I've got interview after interview after interview with some of the artists that were there and Sonny went out and he talked to some of the participants, some of the uh, podcasters and some of the people that showed up just to attend the thing. And we're going to put all that together and we're going to share it with you guys over the next few weeks. Uh, But I think uh, initially what I want to do is... Uh, we're talking about the future state of the rock and pod too. And part of that is the future of rock and roll and where we think the next rock stars are going to come from. So I'm going to share with you the panel that I moderated that kind of was the first panel of the day and it was the future of rock and roll. And it was a panel that was with Jacob Cade, the young guitar player, singer, songwriter from Denver, uh, Anthony Corder from Tora Tora, and Johnny Dwinell, uh, who is a social media guru. And we have a pretty good 30 minute discussion or so centered around where we think the next rock stars are going to kind of get nurtured and come from. So we're going to put that on here and let you guys listen to that along with a up-and-coming interview with Denman, which is a great rock band, and we'll play a little bit of their stuff. And then I interviewed a new and -and up-and-coming artist, who is a female singer. Her name is Alora Witten. And unfortunately, I have not heard her yet, and I don't have any of her music to share with you guys. Sonny, what else do you got to tell people before we uh, do this? Now, hang with us, because uh, like Steven said, there's a few episodes coming up, but we got a lot of fun stuff. And we purposely asked some different questions, because we know how our peers roll sometimes and what questions they might ask. So we kind of stayed away from those. So definitely listen up to our episodes. Yep. And in each of the upcoming episodes that we release, and I have to break it up, otherwise it'd be like four hours long, but I'm going to break it up. And with each one of those episodes, if you're interested in who is being interviewed in each episode, just look in the show notes. I'll list uh, who's on each episode, but we interviewed some really interesting folks and, uh, you know, every interview has its own unique, uh, kind of set of questions. So, uh, listen to it, uh, whether you like the artist or not, I think you'll probably find it pretty interesting. So enjoy that. And, uh, we will get these out as soon as we can to everybody. Once again, Rock and Pod 2 Nashville was a blast, and we hope you guys enjoy everything we'll be putting out uh, your way so that it'll feel kind of like you were there the entire time. All right, people, here we go. This is kind of the future of rock and roll. Where are our future rock stars coming from? Most of us in the room here, we like all kinds of music, but specifically, rock and roll is kind of becoming a pastime. You look around, it's alive and well, but it's not on the radio. You don't see rock stars like you used to back in the day, right? So the whole purpose of this panel is to kind of find out How do we get people interested in rock and roll again? And then how do we market that rock and roll? So we've got the future and the past and the current (laughs) represented on this panel. Anthony Corder, lead singer-songwriter from Tora Tora. So 
Anthony had a past in the business. They were very successful, but now they're getting ready to release a new record. I'm excited about that. I'm a huge Tor Tor fan, and anybody that saw the show last night knows these guys still rock and roll, right? Was anybody at that show last night? <laughs> Young Jacob K., 19 years old, singer, songwriter, vocalist, and guitar player from Denver. This kid's got awesome music. If you haven't seen it, you need to go check it out. And then I don't know anything about likes and followers and crap like that, but my co-host, Sonny Hollywood, Poony, that guy's got more followers than Jesus right now. So we're bringing John, Johnny Dwinnell, into the picture because Johnny knows social media. So we want to talk to Johnny and find out how do we know whether we're winning or losing the battle in growing rock and roll in the genre. Johnny, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Johnny's owner of Daredevil Productions, uh, which does digital marketing. And one of the things that it said on his website that I'm most interested about is growing your audience. And growing your audience not only applies to bands and artists, but it also applies to podcasts record vendors, anybody, right? If we're in the business of rock and roll, we want to know how do we grow our audience. It can't just be coming from people that are 40, 50, 60 years old. It needs to start much younger. We need to get people interested in rock and roll at an early age. So that's what we're going to kind of talk about. So I'll start this panel. With the landscape of music today, how do we get kids in the household interested in playing guitar, writing, creating, and it's specifically in the genre of rock and roll. Jacob, you want to start that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I could start it with how I got interested in rock and roll and playing guitar and being a musician, which is um, my, my dad and my parents, actually, they were always playing music. Um, they always had, uh, my dad specifically had guitars all around the house, everywhere. And anytime we got in the car, it was, you know, rock and roll was playing on the, on the, on the stereo. Um, so it's, it, it just kind of happened to me through association, you know. I was just, it was just happening. Did you like it automatically when you heard it, or did it get nurtured along? I mean, to tell you the truth, I've always been into the the image and the whole like oh he's playing a guitar like that's cool um and that's it that's coming from you know my parents kind of spinning it to oh you know look how awesome this is check out this video or check out this you know this guy playing guitar it was always cool to me so for me that chip was like always in my brain just like playing an instrument and playing rock and roll and that sound is cool i mean to be honest everything about you know being a rock star and being uh, a musician in a band and going to a show is always cool. Um, I just think that as long as it's put in front of people, like soon in their life, they latch onto it. And and even I've got friends, you know, that I went to high school with. They are still into the rock and roll thing. Um, it's just that rock and roll now is not the latest. It, you know, the music that's coming out is not the latest and greatest thing, you know? And it's not what all the popular kids are like, oh, yeah, this is cool or whatever. So they have it on the back end or whatever for themselves. Um, but still, you know, when I'm in the car driving, I put, the, I put some Zeppelin on, and they're like, dude, I love this, you know? And then they're like, I said, well, why don't you listen to it, man? They're like, oh, well, so-and-so, you know, showed me this song or whatever. And I'm like well, I'm showing you this, man. Play some rock and roll, you know? And they're like, oh, well, I love this music because my parents always used to play it. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, the more good rock and roll we keep putting out, the more it's going to kind of, you know, re-nurture itself. Yeah, so for you, it started in the home. Anthony, was it the same for you? Yeah, I, I would definitely echo that. It was kind of like osmosis with me. My mom's side of the family is very musical. They were kind of like porch pickers. We were from down in the Delta, Mississippi, and it was just ingrained in me. My grandfather listened to the blues, and my family, my uncles and aunts, were all listening to rock, and they were the ones that turned me on to my first guitar chords and all that, you know. It was, uh, we were actually just talking before this, and they would, uh, have, I would have friends that would come over, and I was, I thought everybody 
when you got together, we sat around and played music. That's what my family did. So they would hear it and go, oh, my God, they're amazing. And I was like, they do that all the time, man. Let's get out of here. You know, let's sneak off and go do something. But um, music is so powerful. When you were talking about how to get people engaged with it, I think the earlier the kids are turned on to all different styles of music, it's amazing, specifically to rock. Uh, I've heard it a lot from different up-and-coming kind of musicians that their families... I had one girl in particular that was from Canada that was the most amazing guitar player I've ever heard. She could sing amazing. Her name's uh, Christine Campbell. But she was classically trained by her family on piano, but her dad played like Deep Purple records and Zeppelin and stuff, and so she picked up a Les Paul. And man, she's smoking. I mean, she's a killer performer. And uh, I think just introducing them to him, giving them an outlet, I mean, for us, it was about a community and a culture like exactly what we got going on here it's a place where you know that you feel like you belong the world is going through a lot of crazy stuff right now and i think this is like a perfect time to be promoting rock and stuff bringing people together the message of we're united man we're all kind of in this together and we're supporting each other and it's a great outlet you know it's a great way to if you're whether you're a fan or you're a musician having that that creative outlet and that part of you is something that's important, you know, for everybody, for all of us. So. Johnny, you're a former artist, right? You're a musician, and now yeah. you're in the PR side of things and social media side of things. Once somebody's interested in music, do you get involved after it already becomes a product, or do you work with, say, a school of rock or a guitar company or a, or a music store to get people to bring people in to make them want to play guitar or sing or play bass or play drums so that we can develop a product that one day you can uh, market? We do both. So we'll creatively develop artists if they need to get with the right producer, the right... We work with Jacob Cade, and we got him with Michael Wagner. Um, get him with songwriters that are he did co-writes with um, Rachel Boland from Skid Row with uh, Lizzie Hale yeah so talk a little bit about that because you were a primary connection in Jacob who's a young guy in Jacob getting hooked up with Lizzie Hale and with Rachel Boland from Skid Row to do songwriting but then with Michael Wagner to help produce the record you were instrumental in that I understand is that right? yeah and I mean the code for, for growing an audience and for blowing up an artist's brand has always been the same since we invented art. It's just get the art, a com, you know, compelling art and a compelling artist in front of a bunch of eyeballs, brand new eyeballs, and let them do their thing. And then a small percentage of those eyeballs are going to be like, that's my jam. The, the problem that we're having now is that the method for executing that formula has changed. Radio doesn't do that anymore. TV doesn't do that anymore. I've seen your video a million times on MTV, dude. It was badass, you know? <laughs> um, and that was, uh, we love that, we love that. But it, now we have to do it a different way. And one of the things that we love about Jacob is that there's a, to your earlier point, is there's a vacuum in the marketplace. Tell me one guitar god that's under the age of 40. Mm-hmm. There's no, right. they, 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 and guess what? Gibson's hurting from that. Yeah. Because what makes us want to do it is watching somebody do it really well, and then you're just like, man, that's awesome. And in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s specifically, it was all about the guitar gods. And that's, I mean, Eddie Van Halen changed my world forever, you know? Yeah. And so when you bring somebody out to enough, an artist like Jacob Cade, uh, who not only is amazing at the guitar, but if you've seen the kid live on stage, it's like mind-blowing what, what he can do. That, you, how can you not think that that's cool and want to be like, uh, that kid's my jam, I want to do that, and then you want to go get a guitar, and you want to start to learn it. Ooh. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And so, you know, you find this new talent, you nurture the talent. Jacob, as a young guy who was writing, recording his record, you were also going to school time. How was that to balance all of that and still remain somewhat of a normal teenager? What's normal? Normal teenager where you're, you're playing sports and you're, and you're uh, going to prom or whatever it is high school kids so long ago. I forgot what that was. 
how is that for you to balance something like that? How did you do that? Man, um, it was it was crazy. Uh, it was a lot of like talking to my teachers and talking to my principal and you know telling them what's going on. But um, honestly, I really didn't have to tell them too much. Um, aside from hey, I gotta go record a record in Nashville. Hey, I gotta you know go do a, t- a little tour. Hey, I gotta go do this and whatever. And they knew because all through my high school career, I had been playing gigs and playing shows at the school. You know, they had asked me to play and bring my band, and I played all the assemblies and whatnot. So they knew what I was trying to do, and they knew what my life was about. Um, and you know, once I explained to them the magnitude of this whole thing, you know, this surreal experience that was starting to happen, they totally understood. And I can I can't thank them enough for it. Um, they were super, um, they they were super uh, lenient with everything, and they knew, you know, hey, whatever you need from us, we'll help you out. Just go do it. You know, you're. They they kind of saw something in me, I think, and they were like, we want to help you. We don't want to be like, oh, you got to get your project in on this day. It doesn't matter. I don't care what you're doing. They were like, yeah, no, you go do it, and we'll just communicate and talk. And um, I think that was super. Uh, I, I was super gracious about that, and I, I don't know of any other teachers that would that would do that. Any other school faculty that would be, you know, so gracious about it. And also, fun fact: my principal from those times, <laughs> we uh, actually go to rock concerts now together, and because <laughs> he. Uh... So it starts in the school and in the home with your principal Char- charm and hustle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so it was it was super. Uh, it was hard. It was rough, but it was easy at the same time because of the people that were around me. It was yeah. great. Anthony, when you started when you started down this path, did you was it a hobby at first? And you're like, hey, I'm getting a kick out of this. I'm digging this. Or did was it from the beginning? You were like, I'm gonna make a career out of this and give a go at it. Or, or what was your situation? I think it, at the beginning it was I. I'm never saying in front of my family. They were all amazing singers. And uh, when I first started, it was just to kind of see if I could pull it off. And uh, there was a guy that lived down the street from me that was a shredding guitar player. He played like a Charvel, like a bright pink Charvel. And he just sat in his room for like 10 hours a day just playing guitars. I mean, this dude was amazing. And uh, when I started, I went down there. He he had a drum set, and I kind of was sitting behind the drums keeping a beat with him. And uh, he said, man, we need, to, we need to sing. We need to write words and stuff. And so he asked me to do it, just to go along with his stuff. And we kind of caught on to something. And uh, that kind of led me into thinking that I might really want to pursue it. And, and once we played in front of people, that's when I kind of got addicted to it. I was like, wow, this is like pretty great feeling, getting up in front of everybody. And it was just, I don't know. When I met the guys in the... the Tora Tora guys, they had a previous band before we all met. They were a couple, couple years ahead of me. And uh, so I felt like they were pretty established. And so I was super nervous. I remember going and auditioning for them. And, you know, I played like some kind of acoustic Eagle song or something. And they went, that's great, man, but can you do some Aerosmith and some ZZ Top and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But when we got together and started playing, it was kind of got more serious in. We had... Uh, Two of the guys in the band went to one high school, and two of the other guys went to another one. So we had kind of a, a built-in audience right away that would come and support us at whatever function we were doing, whether it's a, a you know a battle of the bands or a talent show or whatever it was we were messing around with. But they showed up in a swarm, and you kind of got addicted to that. All of a sudden, it was like people were there supporting you, and they, you walk out and they're rooting you on, you know. And that's and that's a great point. So you talk about that back in the back in our days, right, where we were building bands in high school and things like that. It was all about how many buddies you could get out to see your show, and that's kind of how you did it. Is you built those grassroots from the from the home base up, and it expanded. You're getting ready to uh, launch a new record. You guys signed a deal with Frontiers, and, and you're going to launch a new record in 2019, right? Yep. Awesome. Hope so, it's coming. Hope it's coming 2019. So it's changed a lot since Wild America and since the first record. You guys had all the success on MTV, Walking Shoes. You did all that thing. 
And the brand kind of, you built it at home first, but then MTV helped build the brand. Life's changed, right? Yeah, a lot. So how do you approach this new record getting to come, getting ready to come out in 2019? How do you approach your, your uh, situation uh, going forward to basically, I mean, I think you're kind of rebuilding a brand that's already in place, right? Yeah, we, uh, well, the first thing I'll say, when you said uh, building everything grassroots, to that point, um, we had a, a local DJ that did a local, locals only show our thing, a guy named Malcolm Riker, he, he was on Rock 98, and man, he did a great service to the, the music industry in Memphis. He gave us a platform to, to his point that we could get to eyes and ears that we couldn't get on our own. We were broadcast, everybody's vying for slots in a show. And that made a huge impact on our success in Memphis. Is he gave us an outlet, and so we owe a lot to him. And he kind of launched us in in kind of a grassroots approach. And I kind of feel like that's where we are now with the the tour tour of band. We never, you know, disbanded or broke up or had any kind of falling out. We've been buddies for 30 years and it's and it's the same guy it's the four same dudes. which which is unbelievable yeah. today right we you got one it. original guy in the band <laughs> yeah. right yeah so it's, it's the, the same, same guys. guys we're still telling the same dumb jokes and all that stuff that we've been saying for like 30 years but no it, as far as like the the branding part of it is we we're in a uh, and I'm just being candid and honest or whatever we kind of in a we have a double-edged sword because we have an established brand, kind of like what you're saying, that we've been out and stuff. But we also have kind of, we backed away a little bit to raise our families. We're all, you know, rock and roll dads, and we had children, and kind of said, I want to, you know, be around for that. And kind of relaunching this thing, it's, we feel exactly the same way we've always felt, man. I still, when I'm talking to you guys, I, I swear, I get chill bumps thinking about it, just how I felt when I sat down and strummed a guitar for the first time and to like phantom rider you know you're playing that front chord and i'm like what is this going to be what's it going to be about it's so exciting i I love being creative and i can tell you this from my heart too is it never goes away for all of us man the way you feel about music man it still touches you the same way so we're pumped and we're excited but we have to get engaged with our audience again and some of the opportunities that we've had have been with the monsters of rock cruise where we're there with the hardcore fans and promoters and and um, you find your tribe man you find your group of people and you guys are our people the only reason that we can do it is because of you guys uh, the people that are their fans and stuff so I think our approach is just to try to get them excited about the the new stuff we're still you know we're gonna play the songs that that we had from our you know repertoire or catalog or whatever but we want to turn them on to kind of what we're thinking now and, and let them hear what we sound like. So. so, Johnny, from a social media perspective and breaking a brand, you just heard uh, Anthony talk about kind of reestablishing a brand that was already in place from late 80s, early 90s. Here we are, 2018. How do we... Uh, how is it different? Is it different now to approach something like Anthony has created versus something that Jacob Cade is trying to create, right? Is it is it approached differently, and so how? I wouldn't approach if both if I was working with both these artists, I wouldn't approach uh, I wouldn't approach the way we do it differently. But the approach is different from the way that Anthony did it in Tora Tora back in the eighties, yeah. for sure. So. You have to understand that uh, the platform, right? It's it's different. Social media is one to one, and uh, radio is one to many. That's broadcasting. TV is one to many. That's broadcasting. So, I got a really good articulation for it um, that sort of demonstrates the difference in the platforms. Another one to many, another broadcasting situation is a live show. Yeah. You went and saw Anthony last night. You saw him one to many. He's like, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, imagine Axl Rose in a stadium, 100,000 people, and he's like, get your cell phones up in the air, come out, <laughs> right? And a bunch of people will do it because Axl told them to. <laughs> Most people are doing it because everybody else is doing it. That's one to many. Now, one to one is at your kitchen table. So imagine Axl Rose with the same tone, the same language, 
and the same uh, delivery on your kitchen table. Get yourself out of the air! Come out! And what do you feel? You're like, uh-uh, it doesn't work. It has the opposite effect. So hype doesn't work. There has to be something in it for them. We, like we, we creatively come up with content that is going to be, that's going to stop. Think about how you consume Facebook and Twitter. You're like, zip, 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 zip. Wait, what's that? So we got to interrupt that pattern and then there's got to be something there for me if I don't know him from a can of paint that I'm, that's going to make me want to watch it and get in love with him. So on TV and on radio, the music comes first. The song comes first because that's just the process. That's the first thing a brand new artist delivers to a, a listener who's unaware of even what they're hearing. Yeah. But for the, you know, the first time you hear walking shoes from Tora Tora, you're like, oh, and it goes in one ear and out the other, and you got to hear it multiple times. But online, the difference is the artist comes first, mm. and the content comes first. So if we can create content uh, that is viewable, something that I want to watch just because I want to watch it, it looks cool, and then all of a sudden I find out that it's Tora Tora, it's Jacob Cade, and oh, who's this? And then you start to get into it. And then you work your way back to the artist. Man, those social media numbers better be cool. There better be a party going on. You know, P.T. Barnum said there's nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. When, yeah. when, when there's a bunch of people and it looks like there's something happening, there is, Anthony, you've heard the term critical mass like in yeah. the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. right? Where yeah. you kind of reach a certain level where it explodes, okay? So critical mass, Seth Godin uh, marketing guru defines this in one sentence people like us buy products like that or people like us like bands like Tora Tora mm. or Jacob K mm. right so that's critical mass so the first 400,000 Nirvana records were bought by people who really freaking love Nirvana the other 9.6 million were bought by people who want to identify with people who like Nirvana mm. And so that happens on social media, too. We've seen that happen with some of our artists. Yeah, the domino effect, right? Everybody wants to be the cool kid, so you yep. go after the cool kid, follow the bunch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Are there any, are there any Dead Daisy fans out there? All right. Oh, Dead yeah. Daisies? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? A little bit, you? All right. <laughs> so I, I had a really engaging conversation with Marco Mendoza, the bass player from Dead Daisies. Now, anybody knows Marco... Marco's done a ton of stuff. He's been with White Snake and Thin Lizzy, Black Star Riders, all these people. Marco is a veteran. This guy knows stuff. He goes, hey, I'm working harder than I ever have before in my career with social media because he has to be involved with tweeting and, and getting on Facebook. My question is more, it's, it's to both Jacob and Anthony, which is, do you find this to be true? Are you guys, you're young, so you probably were involved from the get-go. You and I were the same, which is, what the hell's a freaking tweet? Yeah. And so are you finding yourself getting more involved and, and, and understanding social media and staying on your phone and tweeting out stuff and going, hey, I don't know if it's you or not, but I saw a really great Anthony Quarter mullet picture from like 1984 on your account. So, is that you or, or somebody working for you? Yeah, I I do like the, doing the engagement, and uh, we have a friend Katrina um, that helps the band with some of our social media. It's it's ingrained in his generation. My sons, I have three boys, but we had to get acclimated to it, like you're saying. Uh, but I enjoy the interaction with. I love talking to people, and I love connecting with folks. And I think that people appreciate you being authentic. You know, that I've seen on some of the social media stuff where it'll say posted by admin, where people are kind of being up front, where they recognize that the content is king, what he's saying, where you're giving them information that's important. But it's also that it may be uh, challenging for somebody that's a company or something to actually find an authentic voice for you and I think that's what they're so great at is sitting out with the artists and saying okay how are we going to communicate what your your voice and your platform to this group of people so but yeah it's it's challenging I think something for all of us is time management just being organized and it's a lot more strategy and stuff to it than people think about is just far as you know, learning the platforms and all that kind of stuff. When to do, so. uh, that's why we hire guys like Johnny to tell us what the <laughs> yeah, hell I mean, to do. 
Absolutely, man. Yeah. Jacob, how about you? Well, um, like you said, I've grown up with it always in my in my life, so it's kind of like another thing that just came with, you know, oh, yeah, you have a Instagram, you have a Facebook, whatever. Like, everyone has it. It's a thing. Um, but it's different having your personal Instagram, your personal Twitter, personal Facebook, than it is having a band, an artist, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and everything. Um, it's, it's kind of a different thing, and that's, um, like you said, Johnny helps me tremendously with, with my social media and everything. Um, but it's, it's important also to do your own, like, be involved. Yeah, you answer the comments to the fans and you actually message them back and you actually have conversations with them because then they can tell. You know, there's a whole cyber space between the both of you, but they can tell when it's like, you know, oh, that's just like an automated message that sends to you, to everyone who sends you a message. Or they can tell when you're like, oh, hey, you know, thank you so much. Like, what are you up to? Or thank you so much. Where are you from? S- simple stuff like that, you know, actually asking them questions back and actually, you know, showing them that you care, that they you care that they care what you're doing, you know? Yeah, and I think that's one of the things I took away from Johnny. Uh, Johnny Johnny does a podcast every so often, and he gives little social media tips, and that's one of the things I took away from the one that uh, I listened to of Johnny, which is you have to engage your fans and uh, not just shove your music in their face, but make them, make them think that you under, you know, you understand, you care what they think, right? Exactly. Uh, because if it's a sell job all the time, they're not even that interested. So, uh, this has been a great talk. I think I understand basically from this that it's going to start, uh, with the individuals and the homes and the schools. And then once we get the interest there and get engaged, it sounds like really social media engagement is what takes uh, takes over after that, and we got to keep people engaged in that way, right? Yeah. Before we leave, uh, you guys want to um, guys want to tell these folks uh, where to go and what to do uh, to be engaged with you guys uh, before we walk off this stage. Yeah, uh, I've got a podcast called The Climb, C L I M B, creating leverage in the music business. It's everywhere. Um, we just got now we're distributed by disc makers and it's it's all about the art the craft the business of songwriting and how to get your how to expand and grow your audience in today's market you can find that on the climbshow.com or if you go to disc makers you can find it there and uh, I mean we're just stoked that it's uh, you don't need to ask anybody's permission to find an audience anymore you know you can do it yourself Jacob quickly I'm Jacob Cade. Uh, you can find any social media at uh, at Jacob Cade Rocks. That's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, wherever you may go. We're there at Jacob Cade Rocks. That's the handle. Um, and also, we've got a new record that's coming out pretty soon um, that I did with Michael Wagner, who's in here somewhere. He's <laughs> around. Um, uh, and so there's two singles out right now. Um, they're they're on the radio. They're also on iTunes. They're on um, Spotify, SoundCloud, Pandora, wherever you might get your music. It's there. So go check it out. Also have a record previously, a, a previous full record that I've got. Um, but yeah, you can find everything at Jacob Cade Rocks. And, Thank you so much. And come see Jacob Cade tonight at the after party uh, at the basement. He'll be playing with uh, Black Heron and Denman. If those guys are here, awesome band. So come check that show out. Anthony Quarter. Awesome. You can find us at uh, Tour Tour Music. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, tortormusic.com is where you find the shows and some of our uh, music that you can't find online. And you can find us on uh, Spotify. Look us up on there. Got a new record coming out, 2019, so you guys keep your ears open for that. So. Great. You guys have been great. Catch myself, my co-host, Sonny Pooney, at the Growing Up Rock podcast. We hope to turn you guys on to some old rock and roll, hardcore, hard rock and metal, and some new rock and roll. So come check us out at growinguprock.com. Thank you. And now I have a new and up-and-coming artist with me. This is Alora Witten. Hello, Alora. Hey. 
Hey, it's awesome to be here. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm having a good time. Are you enjoying yourself thus far? Definitely, definitely. Pretty cool. So you just got done recording an album with the Michael Wagner. Is that correct? Yeah, I did. That's awesome. So we haven't heard the music yet. How old are you? I'm 19. And how did you end up initially getting into rock and roll? What were your er earliest influences? Well, before I was doing rock and roll, I was trying to do like kind of your standard pop music. But when I was about 16 or when I was 13 years old, my dad handed me a whole bunch of his uh, vinyl records. I started listening to Styx, Toto, Queen, and I just kind of fell in love with it. And I've been doing rock ever since. Right on. And so what would you say... Your music uh, today, we, we understand what you started with, but what would you say your music today is kind of shaping up to be? I like to think of it as kind of like a guitar-driven, like classic rock with a modern vocal over the top of it. Okay, and when you talk, what does modern mean to you? Like, my voice is very, I don't have that kind of rough and tumble growl to it. It's very clean. It's still very rock and roll. Who are some of your biggest influences? Maybe compare yourself uh, in the same vein as... Um, I would think almost kind of like Paramore, okay. um, maybe like the Pretty Reckless, except a little bit more clean. Oh, I love them. But I absolutely, they're a huge influence of mine. That's awesome. Very cool. And uh, do you have or do you know when uh, that record is planning on coming out? I'm not sure exactly yet, but I'm hoping pretty soon on the horizon. Is it a solo artist project or will there be a band around it? Right now it's just me, but we're hoping to build a band around it here pretty soon. I would love to be able to have like a, a full band, the same people like always playing the music would be fantastic. It's kind of a dream. If you had your choice, will the band be presented as a band or as you with a backing band? You know, I would love it to just be as a band. I, I love the group kind of aspect of that and like the family mentality behind it. It's my favorite. Right on. And so, um, hey, here at Grown Up Rock, we like to play a little music, so why don't you pick something uh, to uh, play with the listeners? Whatever you want to hear. Oh, something I've been listening to a lot lately is, um, oh man, I've been listening to a lot of Pretty Reckless, like Hit Me Like a Man, that kind of thing. Awesome. Let's play some Pretty Reckless because right. they're a pretty cool band. So uh, I enjoy that. We will look for the record to come out, and once we get that, we will definitely get you back on the show. Alora, have a great time here at Rockin' Pod 2. Thank you. You too.
ready. Ready. All right. With me now is Dakota and Ben Denman. What's up, fellas? What's going on? So, Nashville is your home base these days. You guys are from New York originally, right? Upstate New York? Yes, sir. That's correct. My wife, she's running around here somewhere. She's from upstate New York, so she uh, identifies with you upstate New Yorkers. Oh, nice. Where is she from? She's from Balsam Spa. You know where that's at? Saratoga. Okay, yeah, I've been out to Saratoga before. Yeah, a couple hours outside of uh, Albany. Yep. Yeah. So you guys just got done recording uh, a new record with uh, Michael Wagner, yeah? Yeah, man. I love Hire. Oh, oh thank, thank you. you. That's the first single. It is. I went and got it off Spotify as soon as I uh, saw it was out, and I'm excited about it. Went on a playlist almost immediately. Nice. So is it a full record or is it an EP? It's 11 songs, full-length record. Yeah. How's the record flowing? I mean, is it all probably similar to uh, what the sound of Hire is, or is it uh, a lot of different stuff? What is Actually, it's, it's really it's really different. There's some songs that are really bash your brains in, and then there's the songs that you want to sing along to. So we, we really tried to expand upon what we did with our EP, but not kind of like regurgitate the same same sound over and over again. There's, uh, there's a couple thrash metal tunes. There's a couple like like higher straight up rock and roll tunes. It's kind of a roller coaster ride all over the place. Yeah, it's all rock and roll at the end of the day, though. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So uh, one of the things I noticed on social media is um, Dakota. I think you're doing these. Uh, what is it? Daily riff or what do you call it? It's the uh, riff of the week. I always enjoy watching that because I can't play guitar worth a shit, but I always <laughs> like the songs that you pick to uh, to throw out there. So it's kind of entertaining. How's that? Is that doing anything for you or for the band as a whole? Well, it just helps to everyone I do usually has like between two and four thousand views on there, yeah. and it's just more people seeing seeing me play and asking who's Denman right yeah it's exactly I've done some docking ones and Michael sent them to George Lynch and yeah, it's cool stuff like that yep uh, everything every little bit helps yeah you guys are both hella guitar players man uh, I'm a little bit pissed because I can't play guitar like that but uh, hey I appreciate watching you guys go at it lots of lots of time and practice invested and we've uh, luckily we've had some some really knowledgeable teachers along the way to kind of help us out and learn from those guys and we've uh we've come really far we're we're doing good yeah so you guys are a younger band but you're you're in this old school uh old style genre which is really cool because you're kind of a throwback but you're doing it the right way your music's really solid uh what i wanted to find out is where did the musical switch flip for you guys like where did were you uh where did you go hey i really am a music fan and i want to try and do this and play guitar or sing or do whatever where did that happen can you guys pinpoint like uh back in time when that happened for you guys i mean it's kind of always been there like where we grew up we didn't have cable tv we didn't have internet we didn't have anything all we had was like my dad's old cassette tapes and cds and so like you know, all of a sudden, all you have is Blizzard of Oz and White Snake sliding in, and like all this stuff. And because of that, we we didn't like look at it as trying to be throwbacks. We never had, since we didn't have like any of the stuff to t- like for the media nowadays to tell you what's popular and tell you what's right. cool. We only had like 1980s Guitar World magazines. Right. And so like when when that's all you have. Those are your heroes. Right. So all of a sudden, we never looked at it as a throwback or anything like that. That's just what we thought was cool. Right. That was, that was what was available. Yeah. We, so, so your parents uh, are, um, were into classic rock then? Yeah, my dad was, definitely. My mom was, like, old school country as it gets. Okay. So I had, like, both of these sides, but we just ended up being rock and roll instead. Right. And I, I guess, like, when we first started, it was kind of... I mean, we had a love for it and everything, but by the time I was probably like 14, 15, I really was super into it. And that's basically I knew that I really wanted to try to pursue pursue it as a, a life goal, you know, as, as something I really want to try to do possibly to make a living, like get that serious into it. Were your parents musicians at all? My dad was, and that's who got us started playing guitar. Okay. All right, that makes sense. All right, well, listen, 
Uh, one of the things I want to talk about, this new record, when is it? Uh, so you released the single, but when's the full record coming out? So uh, we're going to announce a date as soon as we have the CDs in our hands. And I just got a call from the print shop yesterday saying that they're done. And you, so it's, it's, we're going to announce a date here really soon. You guys are doing this on your own, right? Correct. Awesome. Okay. So I want you guys to climb in the back seat of this convertible. We're going to go on a ride to the back, uh, back roads of uh, Tennessee. I got a six CD changer in the back. We're going to see a concert. I want you guys to tell me what concert we're on our way to see and what's the six CDs in the changer. That's a good question. <laughs> um, man, if we're going, we, just, we literally just went to a concert last week, and that was Slayer, Anthrax, and Testament. Yeah, but we can go see anybody we want, living or dead. Anybody, want, or dead. anybody we want. Oh, so we're talking any time period. Anything. We are going to Seattle, 1989, to see Metallica on the Damage Justice Tour. Okay. That's, That's right. the one. All right. I got the first, the first four records in there. Then uh, really, you're gonna take up four of the six oh, goddamn CDs. I am. I'm, put, I'm putting. I'm Man- putting the first four Metallica on there. I'm putting <laughs> Van Halen one on there and ACDC Highway to Hell. Deco- Dakota, help me out. Explain <laughs> the rules of the road to your brother here. Uh, He's taking up all the damn slots. Well, just, just just pick up one. Just pick one Metallica one, CD. Well, how do you pick one Metallica uh, CD? Master of Puppets. That's it. There he did it. Master, Master of Puppets. Puppet. We got ACDC. What else did you say? Oh, the first Van Halen record. Okay, I'm okay with that. I'm going to go with uh, Motley Crue's Shout Out the Devil. All right. I really love that record. Okay. It's got to be in there. Skullfist, uh, Living the Dream, or Chasing the Chasing Dream. Chasing the Dream. Skullfist, Chasing that the record. Dream. That's the best, best record that's came out in 20 years. That, that record's in is there. Is it a thrash record? It's no, it is a traditional heavy metal record. Will, are, I, will I understand the vocals? Yeah, dude. He sees he's, I, if I could sing like anybody, it would be Zach Slaughter from Skullfist. Okay. If you don't know who Skullfist is, you got to get No, like, I don't, and I'm going to check it yeah, out you got to get everything they've ever done because okay. it's the best band that there is. That Chasing the Dream is an amazing record. That's got to be in there. All right. Uh, we're up to like five. Are we at five? Let's see here. We got some good records in here, by the way. Yeah, man. I, I'm useless. I'm just going to pick another Metallica record. I don't care, man. No, let's put Cowboys from Hell in there. There we go. Yeah. Uh, little Pantera Cowboys from Hell. It, you know, it's it's amazing, Ben, that you're actually a Metallica fan. I would never uh, be able to pinpoint that on you with the uh, Explorer you're playing. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I never occurred to me, Jesus guy actually likes Metallica. I know, it's funny. I got, I got a black Explorer that it put, says fuck them up on it. I got that one white Explorer with more beer, and I got another Explorer with the middle finger inlays, and those are my live guitars. Dakota, you're a, you're a what, a Charvel or Jackson player? Plays both. Yeah, I play a lot, I play a lot of everything, but um, my main super strats are Charvels. I really like the San Dimas. Yeah. The Deadman thing is great. You guys are doing this stuff. You guys are living in Nashville. Are you guys venturing? Because you got a lot of friends in the city now. You guys have made a lot of contacts. Are you venturing out, maybe doing some things like, uh, are you guys doing any of these side things where you're going out and doing things? Uh, I mean, Denman's always going to be our main focus. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm like the filling guitar player for Enough's Enough, so I, okay. I do that some. So you know, you know Tori. You fill in. For I know Tori. Yep, and I know Chip and all those those guys. Okay, great. They're all great dudes. Love the band, by the way. And. Uh, and, and that's about. I mean, this is our main focus. Yeah. And other than that, we might just we just do like tribute shows and stuff that pop up here and there okay. here in town. Fair enough. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to tell? You want to tell folks where they can go to uh, find out more about Denman? Yeah, man. All of our social media pages are at Denman Rocks. Our website is DenmanRocks.com. Our email, if you want to shoot us a message, is DenmanRocks at gmail.com. And you'll find all of our stuff, videos, pictures, uh, merchandise, anything on there that you want is there. So that's you go check that out, and that's where we are. Sweet. Ben, you got any last parting words, uh, or you want another Metallica CD in the uh, chamber? Uh, no, I don't know, man. Just keep supporting the artists that you like. Buy the records. Buy everything they put out. If you really care, then that's what you'll do, and that's what keeps it so bands like us can keep working as bands. 100% correct, 100% supportive. Buy and support rock and roll.
Keep it alive, people. That's the way it keeps on living and breathing. It's a good thing. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Sweet. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 